Hello, and welcome to episode 492 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I am one of the co-founders here at ETR, and we're coming off of a no-excuses kind of week. Yes, that's right. It finally happened. I capitulated to the weather bros. I had Garrett Wilson in my cash team all weekend. I panicked on the weather at about 12.55 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, and I went to Traylon Burks instead. And by the way, by the way, the weather stuff, the weather forecast, the weather reports, they were 100% right. It was fucking raining at MetLife, man, and raining hard, especially in the second half. So the weather bros were right. Like, this is not on them at all. This is on me for doing what I never do, which is overreact to weather. It is crazy how much fantasy football players love weather talk. Like, anytime there's even any weather at all in the forecast, we get literally dozens, dozens of questions. Uh, 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 Adam, I saw there might be one gust. Oh, there might be a gust of wind to 25 miles an hour in the Kansas City area. Uh, should I sit Patrick Mahomes? Adam, Adam, I'm panicking. There's some rain in Seattle. Uh, blow up everything. Adam, the wind is 15 miles an hour sustained. Okay, okay. 15 miles an hour sustained, that's fine. But 17 miles an hour, panic. Ah! You know, oh, uh, Adam, it's 29 degrees in Green Bay. How could I ever play a pass catcher there? Oh, no, oh, no, right? I mean, the panic is unbelievable. The truth is that the weather almost never matters in the NFL. When it matters is only at the extremes, you know, zero degrees out, massive snowfall that sticks, torrential downpours. And I know that. I know all that. I'm the fucking king of nothing matters. You know, there may not be a Twitter account that I identify more with than Nihilist Arby's. You know, if you're not following Nihilist Arby's on Twitter, you're doing it wrong. But anyways, I always think nothing matters. You know, not just with weather and fantasy football stuff, but in my life, you know, to the point that it's actually bad. My family, everyone, they hate it. Oh, uh, X happened at school. My response is always, yeah, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, you know, why thing happened? Yeah, nothing matters. Some will rise tomorrow. It's just life, you know. For me, I, I think nothing is ever as bad as it seems and nothing is ever as great as it seems either. So, you know, I, I live by this. This is one of my life's mottos, you know, nothing matters. And I screwed it up. And again, that's on me. I thought the rain in East Rutherford would be strong enough to change the game plan and the execution of the Jets passing game. Thought they would go run heavy here and still beat the Bears at home easily. You know, it was just wrong. And that does bring up the concept of double counting. And I, I certainly fall into this trap of double counting more than I should. Not just with weather, but with other stuff too. And what I mean by what I mean by double counting is we had Garrett Wilson for a really big projection at 4,300 all week, like one of the best wide receivers on the slate. As the game total came down, the team total came down, the weather stuff hit. We were adjusting, you know, fractionally the projection. By the time Sunday morning came, Wilson was already down a couple points in projection. And he was still ahead of Traylon Burks for us. So in other words, we already had that stuff baked in. And then I went in in my head and said, well, because of the weather, I'm going to go to Traylon. And, you know, I even, I said, if there was no weather, Wilson is undoubtedly a better play than Traylon Burke. So this is just a clear cut example of double counting, which I obviously, obviously, obviously should not be doing. So that was frustrating. Um, other mistakes from this week. Big one was prioritizing DeAndre Hopkins over T Higgins, even at 800 more. And also Devonte Adams over T Higgins, I guess at 1700 more, but I still like Devonta Adams play that the Hopkins one was frustrating because I thought he would have the slot role, no Rondell Moore, no Greg Dorch, and that 
you know, Cliff and the Cardinals said Marquise Brown would be limited in this game coming off of his foot injury. Turns out Hollywood plays the entire game, not limited at all. And he played the slot. So it's just not great for Nuke, you know, playing on that outside role there with Marquise Brown in the slot. If I knew that was going to happen, I would have gone down to T Higgins instead of DeAndre Hopkins. So generally, I don't think I played too well in cash this week. The Garrett Wilson thing, the T Higgins versus Nuke thing. I didn't stick to my guns on Samaj P. Ryan in cash. Um, you can listen to more on the GPP review show about the P. Ryan stuff, but really happy to emerge with a break-even week uh, given all that. Um, you know, oh, shout out to Gino for another sweet game and Traylon Burks for hustling his ass off in that touchdown really did uh, save me and let me break even this week in cash. As for tournaments, I made five teams and I just mentioned the P. Ryan stuff. I didn't have Samaj P. Ryan on all five teams. I just thought he was the third best running back play behind Jeff Wilson and Rashad White. But I also knew that people didn't really like Samaj P. Ryan. So many people I heard last week, oh, you can't throw, you can't run on Tennessee. The Titans defense is too good. You know, P. Ryan already had the pass catching role when Joe Mixon was active. Chris Evans and Travion Williams are not base backs. So P. Ryan, I thought, was set up for an outrageous role. You know, he's a very good pass catcher and Joe Burr is very good at throwing to running backs. And then also the thing that made me want to play P. Ryan in tournaments was the James Robinson news hits. And, you know, I, when that happens and everybody wants to go to Michael Carter, I, I thought about it. I just wanted to note that that's very different. James Robinson being a healthy scratch is very different than, say, the Laren Fournette news or the Joe Mixon news. That was injuries to starters forcing the team. They had no choice to go deep into their backups. The Jets were not forced to do anything. They chose to scratch James Robinson. In other words, they likely knew for a while they were going to do this and they had a plan. Do we really think the plan is 90% of the touches to go to Michael Carter? I don't think so. You know, it's not really an emergency. They have other running backs who can do Michael Carter type things, you know, Ty Johnson, Zonovan Knight, et cetera. So I knew Carter would suck a lot of ownership at that same price as Samaj P. Ryan, which made P. Ryan even better. So I was happy about that. That said, only one of my tournament teams cashed, and it was the one that looked really dead after 1 p.m. Started with P. Ryan. Mike Evans, Cortland Sutton, Njoku, and Panthers. You know, not a horrific start, but definitely pretty dead. And so at 4 o'clock, I had the Justin Herbert stack. I swapped off DeAndre Hopkins, though, to Josh Jacobs because I knew DeAndre Hopkins would be owned and Josh Jacobs wouldn't. And man, Josh Jacobs comes in at 2 to 3% owned in small field, high stakes stuff because of the calf thing. And note that before the calf thing with Josh Jacobs, we actually had him as one of the best plays on the slate. But that news came pretty early, so I felt pretty good about his health. So the late swap to Jacobs is just a reminder to never give up. You know, I didn't start with Josh Jacobs on any teams. I made one move, swap a deadish team from a very popular DeAndre Hopkins to an unknown Josh Jacobs. He goes for a 50 ball and it saved me a lot, like, you know, a thousand bucks or something, you know, not life-changing, but that, that stuff adds up. Which it, It's such a great feeling to min cash like that, you know, almost makes me feel happy to be alive. I, I mean, I know I did like 15 minutes a week ago or a few weeks ago, on late swapping, but just to be clear, there's no doubt people are under swapping in tournaments in spots like this. It's such an easy way to increase your ROI. And not that it always works. I mean, normally it doesn't work at all. Normally I swap dead teams to unknown stuff and I still return $0, but it's a really big swing when it actually does work. And so it's fucking war out there. You know, you better believe if you're not trying this stuff, you're not grinding your cock to the non-existent levels that it needs to be. All right. 
We are going to get to listener questions. Before I do, I want to remind everyone that with Maryland and Ohio coming online with legal mobile sports betting, you would have to really hate money to not bonus for, you know, or really in any state. I mean, I have money on 10 to 20 books at any time, just so I make sure I always get the best line anytime I make a bet on a prop or anything. And all of those books literally paid me to sign up through bonus offers. So go to establishtherun.com slash offers, and you'll see the best sign-up bonus offers for each site, for each state. All right, enough is enough. Thanksgiving week is mercifully behind us, so let's get to everyone's favorite portion of the program, the listener questions. Producer Luke, hit the theme music. All right, question one comes from Trey from NY. He says, uh, oh, this was last week. I was just joking on Twitter last week. I said that uh, dropping Kyle Pitts in season long was a top four feeling I ever experienced. And then Trey asked, well, what are the other four feelings? And so I have an easy answer here, Trey. I've actually thought about this a lot over the years. This is not for everyone. This is just for me. Top five feelings in the world. Number one, nitrous, you know, nitrous balloons, just the absolute best. Number two, coming while baked. You know, I don't think I need to go need to go into any more detail there. Number three, coming while not baked. You know, slightly worse, uh, but still great, obviously. Number four, winning a sports bet. And that means DFS, prop, side, whatever. And number five, losing a sports bet. And so there you have it. The five best feelings in the world. You know, easy game. Question two from Yaint No. He says, how do you feel about the DraftKings SGP limits, single game parlay limits of 3 to $10? Is the app even usable after you've been limited? Yeah, so I, I've talked a lot about limiting and sports books um, a few times this season. Also, I had Jeff Benson on over the summer from Circus Sports. I'd encourage people to listen to that interview. That was episode 382. But I'm always happy to talk about it, about limiting. I think it's an interesting topic, and it's nuanced, and it's deep. It's not as simple as what you see on Twitter. People like, I can only bet a dollar and 52 cents. DraftKings is a joke. I, I mean, it's just more complicated than that. I'm not going to go into everything here today. I'm happy to talk about specific points more. I'll just keep it to three big points here today. First, my biggest issue around limiting by far is with the marketing. Oh, you know, come win at DraftKings. Come win at MGM. There's all these commercials. Come win at PointsBet. Come win at FoxBet. Pictures of people winning and big checks and big scores. Great. We know that if you actually do come and win at some of these books, we're done. You know, we're limited and it's over. And so that sucks, right? The marketing is, is kind of disingenuous. Now that said, I'm still going to attack these books for as long as I can. We have this ridiculous MGM promo running, depending on your state. If it's in your state, you can get a thousand dollar risk-free bet signing up for MGM and a hundred dollar coupon to use at ETR, you know? So take that money, you know, beat them for as long as you can and then move on you know, no harm, no foul. So yeah. Anyway, the first big thing was the marketing. Second point that I think a lot of people don't understand. Running a sports book is a business and it's a very, very expensive business to run. You know, it's easy to sit here and say, oh, why can't I bet 2K on a prop? Why can't I bet 500 on a prop? Why am I limited just for winning? I mean, look, if I'm running a book, I have a ton of very expensive employees. I have a ton of tech and dev costs. I have very expensive lawyers. I have to pay sometimes massive licensing fees in every state. 
I have sometimes massive taxes to pay on all revenue. I have insane marketing expenses, you know, and not to, I feel bad for them. This is all part of the business. But my point is that if I'm running this business, I can't really afford to hold only one or 2% of the bet action. You know, I can't afford to like break even or win a half a percent or something. I, I need to win more to run the business. So everyone wants props and futures and exotic bets and parlays and all this other stuff that's exploitable. If you want that stuff, I mean, a lot of that stuff is even on sharp books, books that don't limit you. And I think the ecosystem needs both, right? You need these square books, these soft books that let people go and blast off on their single game parlays or whatever they want to take that's negative EV because they, they just want to have fun. You know, I'm sure 99% of the people out there aren't limited. It's just our bubble. 99% of the people out there aren't limited. They love this shit. They want the weird bets. They want all the stuff that DraftKings and, and all these other sites have. The markets that sharp books don't offer because they know that they'll get beat. And so third, getting directly to the question about single game parlays and limiting, I'm pretty shocked they're limiting on single game parlays. I've actually never personally bet a single game parlay uh, myself, but I'm shocked they're limiting on there. The reason single game parlays are such horrific bets for most people is because the effective juice is like outrageous. I mean, like 30% or more, it's hard to calculate what it is exactly. It's not obvious, but I get that it's fun and people love single game parlays, but man, if I had a game where I was holding 30% in juice effectively, there's no shot I'd be limiting anyone. So I get that that's frustrating. Uh, but this is a discussion that can be had and has been had for hours and days and years. The bottom line is that if you're betting sports seriously, winning can be the easy part. You know, uh, The real hard part is, is getting clean accounts. Um, all right. Question three from Jake FF. He says, recently married, wife and I, we're 28 years old, have discussed kids, but don't see that in our near future. We want to be on the hashtag team and smell the roses before we introduce kids. We both can't imagine having a kid. Do you suddenly wake up one day and decide you want them? Please help. Yeah, I, I don't think that's really how it goes, man, in life. You know, I don't think it really goes that you just wake up one day and you just know. You just know it. You know this is the right girl to marry. You woke up one day. You just no, this is the right time to have kids. I don't think that's how it goes for most people. Definitely not um, for me. I, I think if both you and your wife can't imagine having kids, then fuck, man, don't, don't do it. It's so incredibly hard. It's going to put so much strain on your life and your relationship with your wife. Doing it when you don't really want to, when neither of you want to, that sounds like almost impossible to me. You know, you'll end up miserable, divorced, you know, hating life, spending all your time with you know, Tiffany at the titty bar, you know, uh, because why, why should you do it? Because society says so, even if you don't want to, because your family and your friends, they all say, oh, Jake, Jake, here's what you have to do. Here's what you have to do, Jake. You have to go to school and get good grades. So you can go to college. Then you got to go to college and then you got to get married and then you got to have kids. Then you got to move to the suburbs. Then you got to buy a fucking Honda Pilot. Then you got to spend your weekends at Lava Land. Then you got to have dinner at the Pizza Hut buffet. You know, just because society expects that, shoehorns you into it doesn't mean you have to if you don't want to jake but you know it's hard maybe i wasn't ready to have kids when i did maybe my wife wasn't really ready but the truth is i always try to take the longest view in the room shout out sam hinky when is the best time if you're taking the longest view in the room when is the best time for my wife to be pregnant from a health perspective for her you know in 15 years when these little fuckers are self-sufficient Maybe we'll look back and say, yeah, that was the right time. That was the right move. I, you know, I think so. So yeah, Jake, I, I wouldn't 
expect you to wake up one day and just get hit with a lightning bolt. Oh, wow, honey. It's time. Today's the day. It hit me. Today's the day for the unprotected intercourse. It's not going to just hit you. You know, sometimes you just have to weigh it like anything, any other big decision in life and, and try to make the best one you can with the uh, available information. Question four from Wen Bicker. He says, have you explored any political betting market is sharp and soft? Uh, I have not uh, made any political bets in my life. Uh, but yeah, I believe you that it's very soft. I know people, I think they just use 538 stuff for win probabilities. You convert that into betting terms, and then you find edges and people are winning like that, I guess. I don't know if that's true. Um, but it just speaks to anything in betting. You know, the most efficient markets are the most liquid ones. NFL sides, NFL totals, NBA games. If you want to actually try to find an edge, it's in off-brand stuff where it's not that liquid. Politics, tiny college basketball games, WNBA. If you put a lot of smart work into these things, I definitely think you can win. There's no doubt. Question five from Gerardo. He says, how do you explain fantasy sports as a profession to the opposite sex? Girl I'm seeing is pissed off because I'm quote unquote weird because I don't drink on Saturdays, travel to other states just to sit at a gas station, placing bets and other stuff I think is normal. Yeah, Gerardo, look, man, if she's pissed off already, she wants you to change already, she may not be for you. You know, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. I just think it's one thing if you meet someone and you're some straight-laced guy, you know, a big day is talking to Tom at the water cooler during lunch break at work. But if you meet her and you're already a grinder, and I assume, I hope, a winning grinder, I mean, I don't think she can ask you to change. It's not like this popped up out of the blue. This was who you were when she met you. But basically, this is just another form of the same question I've gotten literally hundreds of times over the last decade of doing this. You know, the question is always some form of, how do I get my significant other to be cool with my DFS, poker, props, whatever? And it's always the same answer, the answer no one wants to hear, win. Win, damn it. That's it. Win and win a lot, you know? She wants a fucking Johnny Versus dress and a trip to the Greek islands and a fucking $50 piece of salmon at some stuffy restaurant and a Gucci bag, whatever the fuck else. She's got to have it, you know? Because if you're winning in these markets, chances are you can probably win at something in some finance bullshit or whatever, you could be making a lot more. Um, but that said, man, you got to give it to her, Gerardo, because you're a professional, you know? You're not a phone shitter lineup, bro. You're at your desktop with max chest hair exposed and a TI-82 and two mouses like an alpha, you know? You're keeping meticulous records of your results. You're back testing your work. You're relentlessly improving your process. You know, you're a pro. And so she can tell her friends, oh yeah, my boyfriend... He's in predictive analytics. Isn't he great, right? That, that's what you need. That's what you need, Gerardo. So hope that helps. Question six from Jason. He says, can you estimate 225-pound bench press numbers for various ETR staff? What type of athletes are working there? Well, I have bad news, Jason. Bad news. Winning at DFS and bench press numbers, I think we have here what's referred to in the mathematics world as an inverse relationship, you know, the better you are at DFS, the worse you are at benching 225 pounds, I think. So I, I doubt very many people can do 225 here on staff, maybe Wiggins. Um, beyond that, I can't really imagine anyone else can, which is actually kind of sad. You know, uh, when I was in high school, I was actually really into lifting. I took creatine. 
I, I read all the bodybuilding magazines. I would go to IHOP with my lifting buddies. We'd order steak and eggs. We'd do pose downs in the locker room and the mirrors in the gym. So funny. Those were great times, man. Um, but yeah, I barely lifted since then. You know, I just kind of lost motivation. I think I, I did it for girls and I did it for basketball. You know, um, I thought being stronger was important for basketball and obviously for girls. For now, it's just, it's just hard to find motivation. These days, I do things like stretching and Pilates with my wife and I play tennis and, you know, sometimes play two on two or three on three hoops. You know, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs, Jason. It, it really is. Question seven from Andrew Brooks. He says, what sporting event is the most enjoyable live and in person? Uh, I think anything but football or baseball is good. I mean, actually, I'd say out of the four major sports, hockey is pretty clearly the best. Uh, I, a lifelong Colorado Avalanche fan since last year, went to game three of the cup finals last year, and that was awesome. You know, hockey is just so fast and great live, so much better than uh, it is on TV. The opposite is true for football. I mean, football to me is infinitely better on TV. Not even close. Oh, I'm actually going to uh, going to Palm Springs this year for the uh, Indian Wells tennis tournament. I'm actually so pumped for that. You know, I think going to big high-level tennis matches and sitting uh, on the baseline behind the players is awesome. You don't have to consistently like move your neck back and forth if you sit at the at the net. Um, and when you're behind them, you can like see what the player sees. The guys and girls both are such freaks, the professional tennis players. It's incredible how hard they play, how hard they hit, how good their movement is. Oh, I, I throw one more into, into the mix for the uh, how, hashtag how rich crowd out there. If you can afford it, I would say woodpecking, as it's called, for a big NBA game is an experience worth having. Like feet on the floor, hear the players talk shit, hear the refs get berated, you know, see seven foot guys move at this insane level at your eye level. That That's a really cool experience too. All right, question eight. Last question we're going to do today is from Victory Vault. He says, one of the owners in our home league has a month of jail time during the season. What is the etiquette for managing his lineup and bi week players while he's trying to avoid the toss salad man? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that about your friend, Victory Vault. I think in order to answer this question properly, I need to know what he did. Well, I mean, what'd the guy do? I mean, did he do something horrible? Did he did he drive drunk and hurt someone? You know, if that's the case, I, I think you got to bench all his players. He's got to take zeros. But if he did something, you know, whatever, I, I don't know, like maybe he got busted for running an illegal poker game or, or something stupid like that. Then I think you don't make any pickups for him, but you do set his team each week optimally, you know, based on some form, you know, based on ETR projections or, or something fair like that. Um, that said, is he really worried about his fantasy football team? You know, if I went to jail for a month and I'm trying to avoid the tall salad man or the, the federal pound in the ass prison shout out office space, I, you know, if that was me, I'd think, I, I'd hope that his fantasy football team is, is the least of his worries. So. Yeah, gotta get your priorities straight there, Victory Vault. All right, that is gonna do it for this edition of the Solo Pod. We'll be back later tonight with Silva for Team by Team. For Bruce Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.